0: Well, good morning, podcast listeners. This is Sherry Nadine, owner of Collegiate Sports Advocate, which we refer to uh, quite often as CSA. We are the number one results oriented softball recruiting service in the country. We do all sports NCAA, NAIA. We would love to uh, hear about you and your student athlete as we create an individual path for each one of them. Today, we have an amazing guest because this title was brought up. She and I are are social media friends and uh, lifelong friends now. Um, She is going to talk about the entitled athlete, Monica Fenton. Welcome to our show. Well,
1: thanks, Sherry. I'm really excited to be here. Well, give us a little background. Tell us about yourself and what brought us together. Well, I've been coaching for 23 years. It is my... Uh, full-time job. Um, People ask if I do anything else and I look at them like I don't have any other time to do anything else. I do about 50 to 60 lessons per week um, and then I have my own children. And so sometimes these lessons that I'm teaching athletes, I have to take home and instill in my own kids and live out my own advice. And that becomes a little difficult sometimes. Um, But I've been, uh, I've taught, I think over 55,000 lessons in my career. So not my first pony ride. Um, and I love what I do.
0: That is fantastic. And, you know, we're based in Texas. So we say this ain't my first rodeo. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I, I even have a t-shirt that says that, which is just awesome. So
1: tell me, what does an entitled athlete mean to you? So entitled, um, it, to me, it means a lack of responsibility or it means a lack of, um, Well, I I looked up entitled athlete to give me a little bit more of a a well-rounded understanding because I go in with things on a daily basis. And I just always want to double check and make sure if there's other people out there saying better things than I do. And so I looked up something on a football website and there were five things that they listed when you are encouraging your child to be an entitled athlete. And I think sometimes these can be a little hard. So number one is fight their battles. Number two is pay for everything. Number three is say yes to every opportunity. Number four is let them off the hook. And number five is help them find the easy way. So as I was trying to flush these out on my own, what they mean to me, um, the thing that stood out to me the most is saying yes to every opportunity. I think we all have the fear of missing out. And we think that, you know, there's a, a softball tournament happening. I have to hurry up and get there. If I don't get there, my kid's gonna miss out. If they miss out, are they ever gonna get another opportunity? And I think COVID really um, pushed this one to the surface because we missed out on so many things. Even in California, where we were closed, people were still driving out of state to go to these tournaments. And I think sometimes we don't ask ourselves the question of, you know, is this tournament, this next tournament, the right thing for me? Is this going to move us closer towards our goal? Or is it just going to tell my kid that all they need to do is just perform all the time? Um, And I think some of the entitlement is um, from kids not having the responsibility of spending time on their own, uh, training on their own, having an off season. Um, it's just kind of a, you know, it's, it's look at me, get my water bottle, get me something from the snack bar and, you know, tell me I'm doing a good job and send me on my way.
0: You just described some behaviors, and I love it because so often we can talk about these things, but what does it really look like? Tell me more about what it looks like.
1: Well, when I run clinics, something that I spot pretty early on is how much responsibility an athlete has or how much they're willing to take. Because as a teammate, I don't want to be up against or I don't want to be next to somebody fighting a battle on a ball field, knowing that you don't even know how to work hard or that you're not even willing to try. So one of the things that I spot early on is if I'm running a pitching clinic, mom and dad are running out of the car, they're grabbing their child's bag, they open the bag for them, hand them their glove and their water bottle, you know, slap them on the butt and tell them to go do a great job. Well, the problem is the, the child has had no responsibility up to this point. They probably didn't wake themselves up and set their own alarm. Um, they may have picked out their own clothes, but that was about the only responsibility they had that day. And if they're going in to try to win a ball game, it's really difficult when I've had no responsibility up to this point. If you've given me no decision-making on my own, it's gonna be very difficult for me to take ownership. It's so funny you
0: say that because I get little pet peeves and I'm pretty famous for them because I'll put them out on social media, but I crack up when I pull up to a tournament and I'm sure every college coach sees this too. And you see the mom or dad pull up into the valet section, like literally, stop the traffic, unload the kid, get the gear out of the trunk and off Susie or Johnny go to the tournament and all the traffic. I mean, I I can't believe people aren't honking at these people, but then everybody else follows suit. Like this is the best way to do everything we possibly can, you know, for our kid, because we surely wouldn't want to walk, you know, from the And then uh, the other one is just, you know, like you said, making everything so darn easy for them, you know, doing their emails for them. I mean, we teach a a 168 hour in a week time management training that I self-developed after like you being a busy mom doing what we do, but it's actually putting the responsibility back on the student athlete to understand what their week looks like and develop it. So how do we transition, and you said the key words, gentle and honest, how do we transition this behavior and help mom and dad change this behavior?
1: Well, I think one of the main things is having conversations and really pulling back. And something I encourage my students to do is to journal. I don't even know what I want unless I'm able to get myself in a quiet place and start listing, what are the things that are important to me? What does it look like? You know, c- Creating a roadmap, if you will, for if, if, you know, I could say this for happiness, like what does success mean to me? Because a lot of times we take on, um, an analogy I use with my students is we wear other people's coats. So it's like, if if I walk up and you hand me your coat, it's probably not going to fit me very well because we're different people. And then if the next person walks up and they hand me their coat, well, suddenly I have five layers on, none of them are mine. I don't even know what size I am. I don't even know how to express what I want. And so I think the biggest thing is knowing what I desire, what that looks like, when to pull back, when to push. Um, In California, where I am, I'm in Southern California, we don't really have seasons because the weather's nice all the time. So on one hand, we lead the nation in skill level in softball because we can hit a ball field more than anybody else. But then I also would argue that potentially our burnout rate's pretty high for the level of athletes that we have because people aren't pulling away and trying to decide, again, should I, be, you know, should I be strength training during this season? Do I need to hit as many tournaments? So I think it starts with asking ourselves questions. That is fantastic. One of the things I
0: heard you say is you know, creating this roadmap. We have a program that we actually start in February called Smart Goals. Mm -hmm. and turning it into habits so it's so simple there it's just formalizing what it is we have to do but I think you're right on that as parents I mean we're not necessarily trained to teach this kind of road mapping and journaling and success and what does it mean on the flip side get parents a call and say, well, my kid will only go to this region of the country, and my kid will only go right. in this kind of cultural environment, and my kid won't be in this, you know, political or religious type of environment, and they really put up a lot of boundaries, and I sometimes flip it on them and say, let the process tell you where you are valuable, and that's why they should right. come in early. They should get into the recruiting evaluation process in eighth and ninth grade so that they can start to develop and understand what does success mean? What is their roadmap? Because then when the decisions come, they can literally go through a decision grid and start to understand if that actually meets their expectations. So um, give me some scenarios or samples of times you've been working with a student athlete where you've seen this entitlement and how did you handle it? Did you handle it directly with the parent or the student athlete?
1: Well, I always include the parents with, in lessons with the student because some of the topics we discuss are just kind of heady, and I expect that it's going to open up conversations when they get in the car. Lessons are never isolated. It's not just what we're going to do in the bullpen, but it's what we're going to take throughout our life because I believe – I mean, I use the ball field as an excuse to deal with real life. If it was about balls and strikes, I would have been out a long time ago. So it's how do I become a successful human – using the ball or using the mound or the circle to create that success and and how do I learn to deal with hard things um and so in some ways the joke is that I'm a therapist with a ball um and so one of the things that we talk about like I'll have a student come marching up and, and she wants to immediately talk about my first question is so how'd the game go how did you do tell me about you Oh, well, you know, my defense was terrible and they made so many errors. And then the umpire, I mean, his zone was just awful. And like, I can't believe that he's even umpiring. And then my coach had those pitch calls. Oh, they were just awful. And so the, the, the lack of responsibility, which then puts us towards entitlement is like no one, everyone else is at fault except me. I had no buy-in on this one. And that is really difficult to wrestle through. And so then I, I tell them, you know, take it all back. I didn't ask how your defense was. I didn't ask how many errors there were. I asked for your pitching stats, walks, strikeouts, hard hits. How many runs did you give up? How many of those were earned? Do you even know? And part of that training is telling me how much awareness you have as an athlete, because I always look at it as like one line drive takes us to the hospital. So if you can't even tell me what you did, as far as stats go, big stats, and I was a pitcher, this is not that hard. So if you can't tell me big stats, it tells me you don't actually have a level of awareness. And when we don't have that level, I'm going to turn around and blame it on whomever. You know, if I want to blame the pitch calling, it's really easy to go, well, you know, coach called the wrong pitch, except that you agreed to throw it. As soon as you decided to go through the motion on the curve ball that you actually didn't think was a good idea, you took ownership of it. You don't get to turn around to coach and say, hey, that was the wrong call. You shouldn't have thrown it. You should have that conversation in between innings. So we discuss a ton about our level of responsibility and controlling the controllables. What are you in control of? What do you need to let go of? You know, let's talk about is your game on point? You want to tell me about everybody else on the team? You know, you had four walks. That's essentially four errors and your shortstop also had four errors. So I look at it as a level playing field.
0: That's crazy, I love it because I was a catcher and a catcher trainer, and then you know when when parents call or a pitching uh, family calls and says, "You know well, this and that, and all those same blaming things that you yes. talk about I say. What do you control, what don't you control, and how can you influence it? We actually use a corporate America grid that I did years ago with that kind of sphere on it, and you brainstorm what it is you control and what you don't control, and they'll always say, well, I don't control the lineup, and the coach doesn't like me. She plays favorites. Well, how do you become the favorite? Well, hit more, or to a pitcher, well, then you have the ball, strike them all out, and they're like, well, that's not reasonable. Well, that's not reasonable to expect that your defense isn't gonna make an error or the coach isn't gonna call a pitch that maybe that batter is really good at hitting. I mean, these you know, you just gotta be a better influencer. So that that's right. crazy. I love it. You talk a lot about grit when we talk. Tell
1: me more <laughs> about
0: grit. What does grit look like?
1: So grit is being able um, to kind of look around and go, all right, like for example, um, if my house was on fire, I wouldn't call my best friend. I wouldn't call anybody who couldn't help me in that situation. And I would get out of the house in the process. I don't need permission to be able to save my own skin. And like, when we get in a game, we're looking for a savior. A lot of times, you know, is my coach calling the right pitch? If he's not like, is he working for me or against me? He, she, um, am I like, what kind of, what kind of instincts do I have? I talk a lot about instincts with my students and, And again, if I know that I can't win with that particular pitch, I need to make sure that I'm communicating that with my coach. And do I have, when I look at that batter, am I able to detect what her strengths and weaknesses are? Do I even know what my own are? And then I put that recipe together and I go and try to win. But it takes, again, it takes some alone time to do that. If I'm never training by myself, because I'm always expecting to show up and somebody to entertain me, um, or I'm expecting somebody else to fix me, then I don't have the, I, I'm not tapped into my instincts. I don't have that grit that's going to go, you know what, gosh darn it, I'm going to figure this out. And I have to figure it out or I die.
0: That's right on the money. And you know, when we created our company nine and a half years ago, we, we had three pillars, communication, time management, and accountability. And what we're finding is each kid has to go through their own path, right? They have different grades. Yes. they have a talent level, they have different positions on the field. And to have somebody like you in the corner of the student athlete, not only is their clinician teaching them the actual mechanics and the skills and drills, but like you said, to, to have this headspace, this, you know, uh, you said their heart and their mind. Can you give me a sample without telling me who the kid is, but think, tell me one where there's mental and emotional side of the game and where you reach their head and their heart space?
1: Well, so a lot of it is I, I look at my own world and I always start with me first and I know I have struggles. And so there's days where I'm like, why is it that I'm super excited to get to the gym today and I'll pop out of bed at 530 in the morning, you know, when I'm on the ball field until 930 at night, it can be a little bit difficult to want to get up in the morning. And so I look back and go, why today did I pop out of bed? And yet maybe yesterday, I mean, all I could do was put my gym clothes on. I just couldn't get there. And it's not because physically I'm any different. I'm able, I have the energy to go to the gym. There's something stopping me and it's the head and the heart. It's why, you know, I'm not motivated to work today. So we dig into why are you not motivated? Oh, you had a a bad day at school. Oh, you had a friend that was, um that was mean to you you got a bad test grade you got yelled out in the car with your parents i mean i can tell within one pitch if you've had a good day or a bad day and or you know i get high school kids where they're like well my boyfriend broke up t- with me today and i'm like well let's throw that fastball as hard as we can today you know it's knowing how to use these outlets that we want our kids to understand these are healthy outlets it's how to use them to our benefit to get to what what we really want I want to be a successful human. There are things standing in my way. So let's talk about what's standing in our way. I have one girl right now where the last three weeks, we haven't thrown a ball. She brings her chair and we journal and we talk. She cries a lot. Um, There's no point in throwing a ball right now because any ball throwing she does is gonna be unproductive because she doesn't, that's not what's important to her right now. What's important is the relationship that's broken between her and her parents. Boy, and you hit a keyword there relationship, and it's relationship with everybody.
0: I wish in school, and maybe there are schools that do this, that they teach not only these life skills that you and I are talking about, but relationship skills and communication skills. And, you know, how do we overcome the speed bumps before we have to climb the mountain? And, Monica, right. you're going to be shocked, but we are 17 minutes in on this call already. Ah! And <laughs> I know you and I could go for hours. How do they
1: reach you, Monica? Um, Well, I have very limited social media, uh, because I protect my head and heart space as much as I can. Um, So honestly, the best way is um, phone number email. And then I do have Instagram, I have coaching dreamers is my Instagram handle. Um, I do have a personal Facebook page that people could reach out, which is Monica Mace Fenton. Um, and then my phone number. Um, I don't know if you want me to give that out. Or... It's up to you. It's, you're putting okay. it out to the public. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Well, yes. Why
0: don't you send me all of your contact information? We'll put you up on our partner page. We have, that would be um, better. Yep, we have, uh, and you just need one link if it's your Instagram or Facebook, whichever way you want, and then they can contact you there because I respect privacy. I am very cautious about social media and, you know, especially for contacting um, student-athletes too. You know, we still have to protect our student-athletes out there. So I'm going to wrap this up. We, again, are Collegiate Sports Advocate and we are collegiatesportsadvocate.com. I am Sherry Nadine, the owner and operator, and our pleasure this morning, Monica Fenton, Thank you so much, and we're going to push this out on as many social media platforms as we can, and we just encourage you all to share it. Have a wonderful day. appreciate it. Thank you.